Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Rossilla. Hi, I'm Rosilla, compulsive overeater Hi. and 100-pounder. I'm going to start sending some pictures around because um, the one picture that's on the top, this, this one here, I think I was about in 7th or 8th grade, and I just look at it today and I want to cry because the eyes are so sad. And somebody told me today that um, my eyes just light up, you know, and... Um, and uh, that's what my program is all about, is just, just keeping light and keeping light. And that's, that's what I have to do. So I'll send those. Anyhow, thank you so much for asking me to share. Um, uh, Lucy's not here, but um, I don't know why I'm so nervous. I've been speaking a lot lately, and I haven't been nervous, but tonight I am. Anyhow, I came into program June the 8th, 1991. And June the 12th, 1991, is my abstinent date. I'm coming up on 19 years, and this is just by the grace of God. Um, I was born and raised in Vancouver, British Columbia. And <laughs> uh, yes, the Olympics are very close to my heart because I know where everything is over there. Anyhow, um, I was, um, I'm the youngest of three girls born in two and a half years, and then there was a three-year lapse. And my, uh, my my father had gotten my mother a book on sex, and all of a sudden there was a three-year gap before my brother was born. And um, uh, young and innocent and stupid. <laughs> Anyhow, so uh, for some reason, when I saw pictures of me growing up, I was always dressed differently than my sisters. My sisters were more like twins, and um, and I was like the other one. And I never understood why. And then my um, my father used to tell me all the time that um, because of me, they had to get a washing machine because, you know, they had so many diapers. He was coming home from his two jobs and uh, having to do diapers. And so, um, you know, it's like my fault. Like, I didn't ask to be born, you know, but this is the blame. And I think that just kind of uh, followed through for all the years um, that I was at home because I was kind of like the uh, the beating board, and my sisters and my brother, I don't remember ever them being hit, but I was a lot. I used to have my father's handprint in bruises on my body, and I remember that so well. Um, my sisters don't remember it, though, and my brother, um, he was found dead about four years ago, a, a massive heart attack from being five foot three, uh, over 300 pounds, a drug addict, an alcoholic, um, a compulsive overeater, and a product of my mother. But in the meantime, um, growing up uh, was very difficult. We were always taught to be uh, seen, not heard. And so, like good little children, we used to sit in a corner someplace while my parents did whatever they were doing, and we just had to sit there. And God forbid if we made a noise. Anyhow, uh, I can remember growing up, uh, not from the first house that we moved into or we were in, but the second one, and I remember very well because I used to walk down to this little general store. I'm going to be 64 in, in April, and um, and at that time they had little little markets, little general stores they called them. And I used to have a little 
um, paper bag with candy in it all the time. It's um, like a lunch bag, but it's a small brown paper bag, but a little one. And I didn't care where I got the money because I stole it. I found it, whatever. You know, I used to kind of sneak. Like, um, we had hardwood floors, so I was able to slide into my parents' bedroom and get my mom's purse, and I can take money out of it. And um, and this is what I used to do. But I couldn't understand why. You know, I must have been five or six years old. You know, and I don't know how. Um, I was even allowed to go to the store because it was about four blocks away and I had to cross a busy street. Don't ask me what happened. I don't know at all. And um, all I know is that I constantly had candy, you know, and um, and it just seemed to do the trick with whatever I was doing. I used to sit in front of the uh, refrigerator when nobody was awake um, or nobody was home. And, um, you know, I was born, we were Jewish, and my mother had all the uh, all the recipes and she used to cook everything from scratch and my father we had a uh, kosher butcher shop in uh, Vancouver so we got all the good stuff you know and, and my mother was constantly cooking and I was sitting in front of the refrigerator on the floor and just eating everything was nothing really got frozen very much because it was made and then we ate it and, and then it was constantly being cooked anyhow um, I guess it must have been uh, I'm trying to remember now a lot of the story from the past is, is dissipating from me, and I'm so glad. Um, I don't want to have a new story, but the fact is is that I'm just so grateful because there was so much pain back then. And um, what I remember the most is um, being beaten and um, because I was kind of the rebel. I was kind of the black sheep of the family because I was more outgoing and I, you know, just a lot of things. And um, anyhow... I was um, just getting ready to go into um, a high school, 10th grade, and um, we were told that we're moving to California. And so whatever we could take in our suitcases, I don't have anything from my, my childhood past because we weren't allowed to take any extra stuff. You know, I remember my dad specifically saying, we don't need that, we don't need that, we don't need that. And... Um, Anyhow, we moved to California, my, uh, to Los Angeles. My, um, my dad's sister lived here, and uh, we moved to Monterey Park, and we were living in a two-bedroom uh, apartment, uh, six of us. And um, we lived there for a couple of years, and we bought a house like right across from the 60 freeway. wasn't even there yet. Uh, they were building it, and the high school, um, well, when I went to high school, I knew nobody there. And uh, the best thing that I knew was before school, nutrition, lunch, and after school, and um, was grilled cheese sandwiches. That's all I remember from high school. I was very introverted at the time because, you know, we learned how to respect our teachers, and God forbid we would uh, do something wrong. You know, it's not like the, you know, the way I understand the way school is today. You know, there seems to be very little respect, and which is really a shame. So in the meantime. All I remember, as I said, from high school is just the, um, the grilled cheese sandwiches and being very lonely because I knew nobody there. And, um, and then I met some people, um, I guess, uh, within a few months after I started school, and there were some Jewish girls, and, and um, um, my birthday was coming up in uh, April, and uh, they wanted to give me a party. So um, 
they had talked with my parents. Now, I didn't know this beforehand, but they had talked with my mom, and they gave my mother gave them all sorts of restrictions and everything, and I found out later that it was not even fun for them to do this because my mother just put a, a squelch on everything. But in the meantime, that was like the last uh, surprise party or last birthday party um, that I ever had, and um, everything else, because I hated my birthday because it was always around Passover, and my mother used to make sponge cake, and she would put, um, which I hate sponge cake, she would put a meringue icing on it, and she would um, put green, don't ask me why green, but green food coloring, and so that was my birthdays, and I just hated my birthdays, and to, th- to this day, I still I hate my birthday. It wasn't until I turned 50 that my kids gave me a surprise party, and I was so overwhelmed that I cried through the whole party. I never stopped crying. You know, the, I even have a, a, the video, and I'm crying the whole time. <laughs> I, was just so, I was just so overwhelmed, because why would anybody do something nice for me? You know, it's like I didn't ever think I deserved it. Anyhow, so um, I'm going to push forward. Um, I, um, I was engaged in um, my senior year of high school and to a 26-year-old um, New Yorker. Um, um, I think he worked at the post office. And um, um, anyhow, my parents did everything they could to try to break this up, and uh, including my dad took me. We uh, went off to Canada that summer uh, with a friend of his and... Um, um, Let's see, my brother and I think my sister. I don't remember if she was there with us or not. But in the meantime, they just shoved me off to, they just shipped me out to uh, to Canada to make sure that I could break off this uh, engagement. And before we left, they talked me into breaking it off, so I did. And when we came back from Canada, I guess about three weeks later, I was at a party and um, um, with a friend of mine and... Um, all of a sudden, this drunk guy starts dancing between me and this other guy. And, you know, he's just kind of really cool looking and you know, nice looking. And he had his sweater rolled up with his hairy arms showing like that. And you know, I remember these things. You know, I'm exactly what he wore. You know, white shirt and, and khaki pants and his beautiful khaki sweater. And so anyhow, um, after three years, um, we were married. And... Um, I uh, had my daughter nine months and two weeks after uh, we got married, and then I had a couple of miscarriages and a therapeutic abortion because I was taking handfuls of diet pills, and I just couldn't think of something happening or having a baby that was something could be wrong with because I'm not strong enough to, to handle something like that. But in the meantime, then my son was born. So I have um, my daughter right now is 42. My son is 37, and um, they've got the best mom in the world as far as they're concerned. Um, it took a lot to get there. I found out um, about um, uh, a few, let's see. I left my ex-husband. Uh, I'm going to step back a little bit. We were married, and I was together with him for 27 years. And um, my kids, all they used to always bring their friends to the house because our refrigerator was always the you know, had the most food, and it was packed with everything wonderful, and the cupboards were packed with everything, but they didn't know where all the stuff was hidden. You know, other things were hidden, because I would buy double or triple of um, uh, whatever I, I liked, and then, I like, you know, you hear the stories, you know, you have to eat it down to a certain level to get to where it was before, so nobody could understand, or nobody, you know, they, nobody understood how come I was gaining weight, you know. They saw what I ate, but they didn't see what I ate alone. Anyhow. I didn't know why I left my husband. 
I really didn't know what it was, and it wasn't until recently. And I have already made amends to him. Um, first of all, I, I, I got to step back a little bit. I am a hundred pounder, and my high weight has been 342 pounds, and I'm not anywhere near that now. I'm more than 110 pounds down, but I'm still not where I want to be, and I figure that that's in God's time. You know, I've had a lot of medical issues and everything, and um, and hopefully the last surgery was a month ago, and I'm still recuperating. So I can't. It's hard for to stand all this time, but I'm going to do it. So anyhow. I made amends to my ex-husband a long time ago, and um, the, um, my daughter's birthday is January 20th, and I left the day after her 23rd birthday, and uh, she's just 42 now. And um, uh, on January 20th, I was babysitting for my little granddaughter at my son's, and um, my daughter-in-law says, you know, Jack is going to be by here because he, 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 um, uh, they forgot some stuff at their house when he was babysitting my granddaughter. So then she says, is that okay? And I said, well, of course. I said, we've always gotten along. So anyhow, um, my little granddaughter was sleeping, and um, my daughter-in-law had already left. And about 20 minutes later, Jack shows up at the door. And I always get a hug and kiss from him. That's always been, you know, we've always been, um, you know, still close friends. You know, we email back and forth, and we talk. You know, we have kids together, and we have uh, grandchildren together. So anyhow, um, I don't know what happened. Something just started flowing from me and I was able to um, get things out that I have not been able to get out for a long time because I haven't had opportunity to be close to him or I mean alone with him because I don't need anybody else listening to what I needed to talk to him about so anyhow I started talking with him and the first thing and my nickname is Cookie and the first thing he said to me he says Cookie he says it wasn't all your fault he says, we were young, and first of all, I had never heard him say it was not all my fault, and which was incredible, because um, he says we were young, and we didn't know what was going on, and, and then I finally told him, I says, the reason I left him, I says, I don't know why I did at the time, I just knew I needed to get away, I says, I just didn't want to be married anymore, so it's been 19 years since um, I left him, and you know, we got things out that I have not been able to talk about, and I needed him to answer some questions for me and back and forth, and it was the most freeing and most incredible experience that I've had. And um, that finished my my um, entire ninth step from all these years of all the different ones that I've gone through, and um, and he was the one that I needed to, um, to um uh, make the biggest amends to besides myself because I really damaged myself for many, many years. Anyhow, I went to my very first OA meeting many years ago. My Eskimo took me to a, um, a meeting in Whittier in a church, a very dingy, dark room, and all I heard was the word God. And when I heard the word God, I says, oh, no. You know, my mind wasn't open enough to understand that maybe there's something else to do this. I figured this is a cult, and I'm not going to be have anything to do with it. But I sat through the meeting, and I think that whatever happened at that meeting, something clicked inside my head, and it stayed there. And it was many years later that I finally went into uh, to program, and my therapist had talked me into it. And it was like six months after I left my uh, ex-husband. And I left him in Jan- January 21st of 1991, and, um, and I came into the program um, Thursday afternoon meeting at UCLA. Um, I walked in the room, and 
I heard things that I never, ever thought people would talk about, and I just started to cry. And I think I've cried at just about every meeting I think I've ever gone to because there's always something. You know, I, if so, I hear somebody say something, and all of a sudden I can feel the tears welling up inside because it, it just hits in such a, um, um, an incredible spot inside me because I've learned to open my heart, you know, and um, it's been very, very difficult. I've always been a closed person. I've always been a loner. I always tried to, to buy my friendships, you know, and to make sure that I always had money to buy presents for people, and, and I knew everybody's birthdays and anniversaries and everything, and I, I would give gifts all the time, and I see that in somebody else in my family that does that all the time, and, and I thought to myself, I don't need to do this. You know, if somebody wants to be around me, they're around me because of me, not because of what I can give them. So things changed when I got into program, and I was like 30 days abstinent when my uh, therapist talked me into going into an eating disorder unit. Uh, and I've shared this before, and, and it's very open. Um, it, Judy Hollis ran the, um, the eating disorder unit, and I was there. The insurance would only pay for 16 days, but it was the most incredible 16 days of my life. Uh, the first thing is the day and a half after I got there, they uh, they have like the um, round table or whatever they call it. You know, you're sitting in the middle and then all the therapists are around you. And then they tell you what you have to do and what you can't do. And so they sized me up really quick because I could tell you what's wrong with you and how to fix yourself and what to do and blah, 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 blah. So they told me, first of all, that um, I was wearing a lot of makeup. I mean, I came from the suburbs. You know, I'm supposed to wear a lot of makeup. And you don't go out of the house unless you're all fixed up, you know. Well... That was the hardest thing for me to do. They said, wash your face and take it off and do not wear it while you're here. They said that the makeup is a mask. And I never realized that that's, that was one of the things I was hiding behind. And the second thing was they said that um, they want me to not talk to anybody for 24 hours. The only ones that I can talk to are the therapists in private sessions. And I cried unbelievably. Um, and I just, I, I just, I had to be a fly on the wall, and that was the hardest thing for me to do. But I learned, I learned something, and I told this to to Judy. You know, uh, years later, I told her how much I hated her. But I said, now I have to thank you for the biggest gift that you ever gave me. You taught me how to listen, and ever since then, I mean, I've been in program now almost 19 years. What I found in this program is something that I never ever thought that I could, I could have been like you know I um, I feel like I'm the best person that I can be today and I didn't think I was before I thought I was before but down deep something was saying you're not good enough and today I have less than I've ever had you know I've had some major setbacks and a lot of things and and um, financial or you know um, I'm not even going to put in relationships there because that doesn't even matter anymore <laughs> but um, my health and everything and everything's coming together you know um, and all I have to do is I just say please God and I just give it all over to God and that's what these rooms have given me it's the opportunity to to have a power greater than myself that I never knew that I had and I really believe that from that first meeting that I had gone to Something had happened, as I said, and um, God's been watching over me for all these years because I've had too many things happen to me that I should have 
I should not be here today. Absolutely not, should not be here. And the one thing was, you know, eight years ago, almost eight years ago, I had the flesh-eating bacteria, and I was in the hospital ten weeks, and the first six weeks I don't even remember it at all. And my kids, they didn't know if I was going to live or die. And uh, somebody told me that um, they had told people here in OA, and it was, you know, gone around, and my kids said that they... People showed up at the hospital. They had no idea who any of, any of you were. And they said there was standing room only. And I still, after a couple of years, talked with people, and they said something about my kids. I said, well, when did you meet my kids? They said, when you were in the hospital. I said, are you kidding? I didn't even know that they were at the hospital. So, you know, it was, it was really, really wonderful that, um, that there were so many people that um, – I found out cared, you know, really cared. And that's what is the most important thing, you know. I, I keep looking at the sign, life is beautiful, and it is. When I started started in program, I started working the steps, and I never, never, ever wanted to um, have anybody know my secrets because I had, I thought, so many of them. And when I did my very first fourth step, it was very difficult for me, and, um, and especially when I had to do the fifth step, to talk about these things that I thought I would take to the grave. And my sponsor, the only thing she says is, okay. And I looked at her, and I thought, well, what, what's this? You know, like, comment? And she says, well, let's go make a list. She says, um, you know, let's do the character defects. And she says, also, we're going to make a list of people that you um, uh, you need to make amends to. And there was, a, I mean, I had a huge list, you know. But 99% of the people on that list were imaginary things that happened in my head that they didn't do it to me. I just assumed. And assumed is a bad word as far as I'm concerned. Um, I want facts today. You know, I don't want to, to assume anything. You know, if I assume something, then there's something going on inside me. So doing my fourth and fifth step was the most difficult thing I'd had to do. And um, it's, this has been really, really difficult. Um, but it was hard for me to find a higher power because um, I was very unique. You know what they say, terminally unique here. Because I always thought that I was better than everybody. But I found out that I am just one among millions and millions. I'm not unique. I am I'm maybe special to some people, but I'm not unique. I'm, I'm just like all of us here. Anyhow, um, after doing the uh, my first fourth step, um, as I said, things came out that I never, ever thought that I would be able to share with anybody. But like I said, when we went down to the beach and we burned the papers after we went through, this was a, um, probably about three or four weeks after I had done my, my fifth step, and we took all the information down we needed to, and then I just I saw everything fly away. And I want to tell you something. That was freedom like I'd never known. Because I'd, it's like you don't have to be alone anymore. You don't have to keep your secrets anymore. And um, if other secrets were still inside me, a, a friend of mine at my 50th birthday party had a, uh, a woman come, and he downloaded all sorts of information from my family and from my friends and everything, and they did a, a roast. Well, there's no secrets at all in my closet at all anymore, you know. And I'm so grateful for that because, um, as I said, I don't, have to, I don't have secrets, you know. It's like something happens, I talk about it. I have to talk about it because I don't want to, as I always tell people, I says, when you come in these rooms and you have something bothering you, don't leave the room when it's still bothering you. You talk to somebody. Let it out. Let it go. Because then this way you don't have to you don't have to worry about it anymore. You know, and you're not carrying it back out because that's what'll make us eat. That'll that's what makes us do the things that we 
that we shouldn't be doing or, or don't want to be doing, but something makes us do these things. I'm going to tell you a little story about um, my higher power. Uh, first of all, my, um, my ex-husband was getting ready to, uh, to sell our house, and because I, I moved out here to West L.A., and we lived in Hacienda Heights. Mm-hmm. And um, I, for some reason, every time I would drive um, east of La Brea, I would get a headache. I would get a massive headache, and I couldn't understand what it was all about. And then um, I was invited to my son's 21st birthday at my home as a guest. And um, and when I got there, you know, I realized that something's wrong. So I asked my ex-husband if I could uh, come to the house and um, um, just say goodbye. And so a couple weeks later, I, I went there, and nobody else was there. And I just went in the house, and I everything, I was like touching like this, you know, everything, all over. I mean, I had a big house, and um, upstairs and downstairs, and the bonus room and everything, you know, anywhere where I had any kind of contact with anybody. And um, when I was leaving, it took over three hours to do this. And um, when I was leaving, we lived up way up in the hills in Hacienda Heights, and I was coming down the first hill, and I just said, Goodbye, Hacienda Heights. No problem. And then I got down towards um, um, Hacienda Boulevard, and I said it one more time. But this time, the sounds coming out of me were the most guttural sounds I've ever heard. I could not stop them. I was crying, and I'm holding my mouth because these sounds just did not stop. And um, and if, I, if somebody would have told me the story, I would have said, you're crazy. But it actually happened, and it was all the way down the freeway. And, I mean, I was scared to death because I couldn't stop the sounds. I didn't know what it was coming from. Anyhow, I got all the way to Robertson, and um, and then I called my uh, my therapist, and I told him what happened. And he says, just get off the freeway, and he says, we'll talk. And what he did is what he told me was... Um, Congratulations. So this is what do you mean? He says you just let go of the past. And it was I, when I when the the, the the steps all stopped, I ended up with this the most incredible um, calmness that I've ever had in my life. And um, and today all I have to do is close my eyes and I can still feel that same calm. And I feel that that's when God totally took over and and um, I let go. I totally let go. And from then on, you know, I, I always say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. It's like if I want to do something I'm not supposed to be doing, then what happens? Something happens and, and stops me from doing it, you know. And so listen, I'll just go, oh, thank you, God. And it's like I don't realize it. I have to think twice about doing things sometimes. I'm going to, it's like, like, is God lurking in the side someplace? No, no. He absolutely is, is giving me the, the uh, guidance that I need. You know, I, I came in here at 44 and almost 45, and I didn't have any tools. Now I have the tools to um, allow me to live the way I need to live. Um, I'm My kids think that I'm the best mom around. I have grandchildren. I have two grandsons and a um, two-year-old baby granddaughter and another baby girl on the way in May. And, I mean, I have... I have the best life with my kids. Um, I had to move out of my apartment um, the beginning of last year. Uh, I lost a lot, and uh, my whole life is different. And I figured at 63 years old, I had to start over again. And I'm renting a room and a bathroom in somebody's four-bedroom duplex. But you know something? It's my room, you know, and I'm comfortable. I can afford that room, you know, that's about all. But the fact is, is that every single day, 
Every single day I thank God. And I've got a sign right um, on my little lamp that I look at constantly. And it says, give your problems to God. He's going to be up all night anyway. And so it's like, this is, this is what I go by, you know. It's because I can't, I can't hold on to these things. If I need to talk to somebody, I, either I'll email somebody or else I'll call them. And I know there's a few people that I can call late. And people can call me late also. But I cannot go to bed with, people, with things troubling me on my head because I won't sleep. I just can't sleep. The fact is, is that this program, I sponsor that my sponsees and other people that I, that I get um, outreach calls from. All I want to do is never leave these rooms. You know, and when I thought ni- almost 19 years ago that I would still be here after all these years, I said, no way. I'll find out what's, what it's all about, and I'm going to be gone, you know. I am just forever grateful, just forever grateful. I, I say the, three, the first three steps, the third step prayer and the, the um, uh, serenity prayer on a daily basis more than once. And I'm still going to three to four meetings a week, and I used to go to more. And don't ask me, I, I do weekend meetings now. I don't even, I, I'm not working, I'm retired, you know, and, and I have the whole week to do nothing, and I go to meetings, but I don't, you know. It's just, I found that I love my Saturday morning meeting, I love literature study meetings, and uh, my Sunday morning meeting, and then I go to Serenity, Serenity Sunday after. I like to be doing service because I need to give back. We've been do- we're talking a lot about the 12 step lately and um, the last couple of weeks in my Saturday morning uh, meeting. And um, all I know is that in that in the 12 steps, you know, it's um, it's charity and love is the uh, tradition. I mean, the um, the principle that um, is the 12 step. And I was told a long time ago that we'll love you until you can love yourself. And I never realized that I really do love myself today. And I never thought that it could happen this way. My weight is definitely not where I want it to be, but I've been wearing the same size 1214s for the last, what, four, almost five years. Uh, I'm down, as I said, uh, I, I was down about um, 130 pounds, and I think I've, I'm up about uh, 18 to 20 pounds, and it's okay because I know that it's going to come off. But once I get back into the gym, this year has been very, very hard for me because I've had five surgeries from a year ago, December, till now. And... Um, and I haven't been to the gym as often as I want to, but this time I'm going back. I'm going to go back, not just the jogging in place in the water for an hour and a half, but I'm going to get on the elliptical. Things that I have, you know, the elliptical is something I, I did in, in physical therapy, but I never thought that I would do this or want to do this. But I'm going to do it, you know. I want to get back because one of these days I want to ride my a bike in the uh, LA Marathon. I don't, I could, I know I could never do the marathon, but I've been telling my son I wanted to do this, you know. And um, hopefully in the next couple of years, and also doing something that I never thought that I would do. I started learning. I never had a bat mitzvah, and uh, before I left my ex-husband, I started taking classes, and and, um, and I think maybe for my 65th birthday, I may give myself a bat mitzvah, and I'm, these are things that I never thought that I would do, and, and like, who would want to come, you know, who would, you know, who'd do this, you know, but my grandson is having his bar mitzvah uh, May the 1st, and um and I used to babysit for him. And, you know, I have such a close relationship with him today. And he's 12. And he still kisses me in public. And I love it. I love it. And I know that I'm the best Grammy that, you know, I'm Grammy cookie to everybody, you know. And, and I'm the best grandmother that, that is around as far as I'm concerned because my kids love me to pieces. And my little granddaughter, she sees me and she gets all excited, you know. And if I 
was still in the food. There's absolutely no way any of this would happen. I have so much love in my life today. And all I know is that I can't keep it unless I give it away. And this last couple of weeks, I've been giving it away a lot. <laughs> I've been speaking a lot. But you know something? It keeps me in, in sync with what I need to be doing right now. And I'm hoping that um, I've said something that can help people. You know, the food is, is the problem, but my life is the bigger problem. And that's what I have to keep knowing, that... Um, you know, I have a life beyond my wildest dreams, and I, I so thank Roseanne for, for starting this 50 years ago, because if she hadn't, where would we all be as far as I'm concerned? I know that I wouldn't be here. In the meantime, if there's anything I can, if, if, well, I guess that's it. Thanks for letting me share. All right, well, let me tell you what I do on a daily basis. Besides the first, the three, first three steps, the uh, serenity prayer, um, the, uh, the third step prayer. And, um, and I always look up. I always look up. And then a lot of times I just hold my hand on my chest and I know that God is there with me. Um, I do the best that I can on a daily basis to be the best person that I can. And I make a lot of outreach calls. I have a lot of calls that come into me. And when I'm asked to be of service, it's like very rare do I ever refuse. And if I do, I usually turn around and I'll say, okay, I'll do it. You know, um, because sometimes I have to think twice. But I only have certain capabilities, and um, and right now my health is not the uh, 100%, but it's getting there. And um, as I said, every time I've gone in for surgery, and there's been 15 of them in the last eight years, I always say, God, please go in and check it out for me. And if it's okay, take me in and then bring me back out when it's, when it's time. And he's done it every single time for me. And um, I am so, so grateful for this program. I'm so grateful for you to you guys. And I earned my seat here, and I'm going to be here for the rest of my life as far as I'm concerned. So thanks.